Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in its terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. Welcome back to the Savage Fincast. We're back again. Uh, another week, another issue. Um, I'm Jim Purcell, Savage Dragon fan. I'm Adam Pruitt. I'm a Savage Dragon, the Dragon, Savage Dragon fan. Yes. <laughs> I'm uh, Craig Olson, also a Savage Dragon fan. I'm Gavin. <clears throat> I'm obsessed a little bit with Savage Dragon, and uh, yeah, it's awesome. That's an understatement. <laughs> and um and uh, we have a very special episode this week. Uh, we have a very special guest, um, artist extraordinaire Frank Fosco is with us. Artist of uh, the, the the Vanguard backup currently running in Savage Dragon, among many other things. I'm Frank Fosco. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you. Thank yeah, you. likewise. I'm excited. Before we get into our interview with uh, Frank, uh, we've got some Image Savage Dragon news. Uh, Craig has some information about the Image Expo. Yeah, the Image Expo, it's uh, it's less than two weeks away now. It's uh, February 24th through the 26th in Oakland, California. And uh, the news from the Eric front on that is that he'll be on two panels um, Saturday, February 25th. He'll be on a panel that's going to discuss the 20 years of Image Comics, and it's kind of going to have all of the um, the the original founders from Image, I guess, minus Jim Lee on the on the panel. So that sounds like it'll be pretty interesting. And then the more interesting of the two, that I find kind of funny, is Sunday, February 26th, from one to two. Uh, they have something called uh, Portfolio Reviews with Eric Larson, a.k.a. La- uh, Larson Tears You a New One, which is, if, if you know, if, you know, people know Eric Larson and, you know, what's been said about his portfolio reviews, it seems like it would be true. Um, the write-up on that says, Image Comics partner and Savage Dragon creator Eric Larson will be imparting artistic wisdom via no-holds-barred portfolio reviews for those that have the guts. A random drawing will be done during the workshop to determine which aspiring artists in attendance will be chosen to have the brutal light of truth shine upon their work. Larson's ready to tell you what he really thinks. Can you handle it? So I think that would be a, a really fun kind of uh, yeah. panel. I don't, I don't know, though. It's not really a panel. I guess he'll be talking to people individually. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure how that works. I don't know if you know Adam. I'm not uh, sure, but with the thing being it's like you have a – you take a number and then there's a random drawing. It kind of sounds like you're you're doing the review in front of, uh, you know, maybe the rest of the people in the room or, or whatever. And um, that wouldn't surprise me because it makes it doubly kind of intimidating. Yeah, seriously. And also just, um, I mean, not to make it sound like really terrible, but 
but uh, Eric is definitely uh, very honest with his with his feedback, and um, I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually think that's the kind of criticism that everybody who wants to be an artist needs. Yeah, I've sat with uh, Eric when he's done those uh, portfolio, portfolio reviews, and he pulls no punches. So yeah, you gotta have a thick skin and be able to. Because Eric says it like it is, so he uh, he's pretty straightforward. And yeah. if you stink, and if you stink, he's gonna let you know. So yeah, yeah, that's what I've that's heard. That's right next to him when he's done that. So very interesting. Cool. At least. What about you? How do you so, how, do you ever look at people's portfolios and give them your honest opinion? I, you know, I'm not as honest as Eric. Uh, he's uh, pretty straightforward with what uh, he, he sees, and you know, uh, he's got a way of presenting the. Telling it like it is, and uh, I, I've sat right next to him when he's when he's just slammed people, and uh, but then he's encouraged people too. But he, he's he's truthful and he's honest about it, and he's not you know he's not just yeah, he's not like being it. a jerk. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, he's just being frank. I mean, like it's the the same thing that we were talking about a little while ago with the Dave Johnson's cover blog. You know, he's like right. it's brutal, but it's 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 only brutal because it's like really honest, and all of the feedback is like. This is what you need to do to become better at what you're trying to do, you know. Yeah. And and like just speaking for myself, like you know, I grew up, I did a lot of drawing, and I had a lot of art classes in school and stuff like that. And the feedback that was the sugarcoated things was wasn't worth anything. Feedback that was really really worth a lot was right. always the kind of stuff that like you know really makes you take a hard look and is really really honest about what you're doing. So that's it on the the Image Expo news. Um, I think there's some supreme extreme news. The first Eric Penn issue, issue 63, solicited in uh, this month's previews for February. It's about time it got around. It's we've, it's what the last one of the of the the whole extreme reboot. Young Bloods after that, I think. Oh, there's a Young yeah, Blood reboot. Right. I forgot about that one. There's Blood Strike too. I don't know when that comes out though. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Wow, they got a whole slate. I didn't realize it was so many books. I thought it was really just thought it was Glory, Supreme, and Profit. That's no. five, I think. Yeah. Speaking of Profit, that was a really, really good issue. Came out the end of last month. That was a good. Comment. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, yes. it really was really. Good. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna have to read that, dude. It's awesome. Yeah, and it was just it was just announced too that um, Glory was uh, is already sold out, and that's coming out Wednesday. So it's sold out in the distributor level, and there's already a second printing. So I think it really bodes well for this new Extreme reboot and for Eric's issue of Supreme coming out. You know, I think that's going to be the same thing. It's going to be sold out. You know, day of, and we'll see second printings. Maybe hopefully a, a second Eric Larson cover or something like that. Also just cool to see happening with Glory because it's like the first of those joke-eating books and uh, how awesome to have like your first book, you know, be go immediately to have some success like that. So good on good on Joe and, and Ross Campbell and company. Right. Definitely. Definitely. I'm out of the loop and all this stuff, so I don't yeah. know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and then uh, Eric posted the cover to 64, Supreme number 64 on Twitter, and I've posted that on dragonfan.net. That's the one that, with all the different Supremes, right? Yeah, yeah. the cover kind of looks like the Nova number one cover that Eric did way back when. It's kind of like, you know, right in your face, like he's flying straight up from the city. And on the Supreme cover, you know, it's Supreme right in your face with like a million different versions of Supreme all around him. It looks pretty neat. Can't wait to see it. Then we got we got the cover to Savage Dragon 182 came out too. Overlord. Overlord. Yep. Yeah. Like Overlord. That. It's Overlord grabbing Angel by the hair and he's kind of swatting Malcolm away on the cover. Okay. And I think 182 is the is it the first issue after the invasion storyline? Second is that right? issue. Second issue. Okay. Yeah, so it looks like Overlord's going to be taking center stage there, which is pretty cool. Maybe we'll finally find out who's under the mask. Yeah. I'm very anxious to find that out. That That's one particular mystery I've been really, really wondering about for a while. Well, how many years has it been now since he's kind of come back? Yeah. About three, is it? Oh, my. Roughly. It was 25 issues ago, wasn't it? Plus. Okay. So that was 150, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, and Ethereum back up in that. Yeah, that's did. right. That series right there, yes. So that has been a while ago. Okay. Well, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this uh, particular FinCast. Let's uh, talk to Frank Fosco for a bit. Okay. <laughs> what do you want to know? Tell me your Everything. secrets. Everything. <laughs> Frank, do you wanna do you wanna talk a little bit about how you got started in comics and like what you know, were you interested in comics as a kid and what was your first like job and, and first uh, you know, non paying thing, first paying thing and, and how that all... all of this, huh? Yeah. You can <laughs> okay. just bend bend our ears for a couple of days yeah. here. Well I you know, I've been drawing ever since I was a kid. My dad uh, used to collect comic books uh, and I used to see him laying around the house and um, Fantastic Four comics and stuff like that, and uh, and my dad was artistic and he used to do paintings and stuff and do murals on our walls of, the, of these characters and and I got interested in comic books and uh, big Jack Kirby fan. I don't know if you can tell my stuff, but uh, yeah, definitely Jack who? Yeah, <laughs> that guy. So <laughs> uh, and as, as far as uh, you know, I was drawing comics ever since I was nine years old and. Uh, always wanted to be a comic book artist, and and finally got uh, some side work doing some thing for a local uh, music magazine called Triad Magazine. That's where I first put my character Ethrian on that cover. That was back in 1977. Wow. So, yeah, I go I go back a little bit. So uh, that, was the year, that was the year I was born. <laughs> well, that's when I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it was, so was E3 and something that you created when you were a kid and then you yeah, just, yeah yeah a buddy and i we created the character you know we were influenced by the new gods yeah type stuff well, uh e has got that new gods uh let's see yeah new gods you know thor type thing going with it it was with the capes and stuff like that uh so yeah we were very much influenced by jack kirby's new gods and uh uh buddy and i we created the character back when we were in high school. I was a freshman, and uh, so that was like 1970, 71. Mm-hmm. 
And oh, cool. Uh, yeah, so he goes he goes way back in the yeah. He's had so many incarnations of what he was and this or that, and I still don't know what he's about. <laughs> like, uh, it kind of, you know, I, I, I see glimpses of things from other comics like Supreme, you know, like, like all these Ethrians, and then and there's all these Supremes, and it's like, man, it's, it's kind of coincidental. Or uh, I'll be honest, you know. I actually have something like that. I, ever since I was very young, I've had a very active imagination, and I have various incarnations of various quote-unquote characters that I've made up my entire life that have just evolved into right. various things. And sure. yeah. Eric, I believe that sort of thing happened with him and Dragon. Dragon's gone through a lot of revisions over the years, and it's starting, it seems to me that it's a fairly common thing with people who are just generally creative throughout their entire lives. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I did the, like, when I was doing Ethereum as a kid, I mean, the it's like otherworldly, different planets, aliens type thing, you know. And then all of a sudden, I, another incarnation was that he was uh, some kind of microverse type thing. It's like, okay, that that was silly. So it's kind of just like whatever you're interested yeah. in as you're growing as an artist and and trying to find its niche to see where where this character would fit, you know. And yeah. this, need need a protagonist, just dust him off. Yeah. So now, was E3 in your first published work? Uh, yes. Yeah, because, uh, the, when I did the, uh, the music magazine cover, it was called mm-hmm. Triad Magazine, a local music magazine in the Chicagoland area. Uh, that was the first thing that ever got published. And I did some interior stuff, too, of, of the character. And then when I, uh, Gary Carlson found that magazine, and he getting ready to do his Megaton book, he tracked me down and uh, and we uh, got together and we did Ethereum for Megaton Comics. So, so how'd that work? Yeah. He, he just stumbled upon your work and he tracked you down specifically yeah. for, to draw yeah. his book? Yeah. Wow. Yes. That's cool. That is awesome. And, you know, and Gary's from the Chicagoland area too. Right. You know, at the time, you know, living in Elgin. And uh, so, yeah, so he saw the same, you know, citywide magazine, whatever. And that's how uh, Ethereum came to be as far as being a Megaton Comics. And in Megaton Comics, like a lot of famous artists came out of that series. I mean, it only lasted like how many? It didn't even last that many issues, right? Less than 10? Yeah. yeah. Probably it's, seven or eight. Eight issues. Eight issues. Right. Plus and like had, a special or two. Yeah. And we had, you came out of it, Eric Larson, uh, the Angel Medina. Yeah, these guys did. Yeah, yeah Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld, yeah. Right. A lot of, you know, big-time guys came out of that. It's pretty amazing how, you know, Gary kind of found all of that talent, right. you know? Well, they kind of say that Gary's the grandfather of uh, Mega, or, uh, Image Comics. Yeah, I believe that. It's Yeah. You kind of grandfather him. So, that little side thing they say. I think Rob Liefeld tagged that onto him. No, as you say, you Savage Dragon, Vanguard, Youngblood. I mean... Right. Ethereum, all image kind of characters. And he sort of got in touch with Eric the same way. Like he had, you know, saw graphic fantasy. Right. And and was like, hey, this is, you know, somebody I want to have involved with the like anthology thing and putting together. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, with Eric's thing, his was a little bit more out there because he was somehow to find a, a, this obscure triad magazine. Maybe it was a little bit more. 
available than I than I realized. But uh, but for Gary to kind of pull me from that thing. Wow. Kind of yeah. Sorry. So how yeah. how how old were you when you had your work published in Megaton? Uh, twenty-five. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm fifty-five now. And so, and you, and like, I think Ethereum was in like pretty much like six six issues of Megaton, five or six of those issues. The first Let's see, five one, or six. Uh, four. One, two, three, and it skipped for a little while, and it was. Yeah, it's in number. Years. Yeah, it's in number six where he's on the cover. Yeah, that's right. an awesome cover too. Thanks. Frank, do you still have like the pre-Megaton like Ethereum? Do you have like reproductions or any of the artwork or any of that stuff? Uh, I have one, and I lost a lot of that stuff. I have one that uh, I gave to my friend as a Christmas card, like years ago. Well, what was this? Nineteen seventy-eight or seventy-nine? And I totally forgot about the thing. And the guy sends it, mails it to me. So, man, who drew this? And I'm looking at it, and it's a picture of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a picture of me with, you know, holding my pen out, and Ethereum is jumping out uh, out of all this ink coming, falling out of this pen in my hand. And I'm looking at this thing. I don't remember it. You know, then it started coming to me. Oh, yeah, I remember this now. It was very over-rendered. I think this is when I was in my Barry Windsor Smith, you know, Barry Smith at the time. Yep. Uh, Frank Frazetta influences back then. Bernie Wrightson. So, you know, veins and over-rendering and so, yeah, if I can find that thing, I'll email it to you. Right on. I mean, maybe I, did not, I didn't send that to you, huh? Uh, you may have, but I was just thinking we could uh, share it with, you know, yeah. post it on, on the boards or share it with, uh, if there's any, like, pre- uh, in a, not even pre-Megaton stuff. Some of the Megaton stuff, I've been okay. thinking we should uh, post up on either the Vanguard thread or some other. Yeah, yeah it'll be fun. Yeah. So 20 years later, Ethereum comes back to Image Comics on the Vanguard one-shot, right. the Ethereal Warriors. How did, how did that come to be? Uh, Eric was uh, doing backups in Dragon, uh, Vanguard stories, right? Yeah. That's what happened, right? Early on, like, what was this, 93 or 4 or something? Right, and v- Vanguard had like a six issue run. Right. Yeah, six issues, but before that, there were, what was it? Well, no, it was okay, it was backups in Vanguard, not in Dragon. So, what was I doing? Let me think about it. Okay, I was, uh, I think I was doing, gonna be doing a, a backup of Ethereum in Vanguard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did all this like these. Uh, they were like six-page stories, kind of like the the Vanguard stuff in Back of Dragon. Now, I'm sorry. Are we talking about Vanguard Strange Visitors that particular series, or even before that? I, no, they called the Color uh, Comics. Oh, before that, even before that, the original yeah. Vanguard series. Right. Yeah, there was like a Berserker backup, wasn't there? But yeah, it was going to be in the backup. Of the first volume of Vanguard, the uh, with all the different artists like Rick Leonardi and uh, Angel Medina and uh, Tom Coker and uh, Jason Pearson and them guys, and this was going to be a backup. This Ethereum story was going to be a backup in Vanguard, and then Ethereum would have been uh, working his way into the Vanguard story, which 
is how we get Ethereum Warriors now. Because all that stuff got shelved to the side out of the Ethereum stories. And then we decided to do the one shot into the, into the black and white comic. We now have the Ethereal Warriors. But uh, like I said, that, that was a book that was done over from like 1993 to uh, to the finished product of uh, around like year 2000. 2000. Yeah. Yeah. So does that they got put aside because Vanguard got canceled and also like turtle stuff started happening? Uh, turtle stuff didn't start happening until uh, 96. Okay. But uh, the, the Ethereum stuff in the back of Vanguard was, was around 93. And I don't really re- recall the reason why we, we shelved and put it to the side. Yeah, maybe just because it was canceled. It was like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah they, it ran its course and uh, the, the Ethereum stuff got shelved. And then uh, Gary and I were talking about uh, just finishing up the stories in one shot. And then we thought it was going to be printed in color. But Eric decided to go with black and white just for cost reasons. And, that wouldn't be a bad thing if uh, if the Vanguard backups ever get reprinted to get that in there as well in color. That'd yeah, be cool. That would be cool. Adam, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, if we can make that happen, that would be awesome. Yeah, it would have to be relettered too. I mean, uh, lettering is all over the place. But uh, on the Ethereal Warriors. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about that, right, Adam? Yeah, like the like it was half lettered by uh, Chris Iliopoulos, and those pages are all fine. And then oh, yeah, some of it right. was lettered by Gary himself, and th- those are actually exactly those not... Chris Iliopoulos pages. Yeah, were the backup stories of Vanguard, or yeah, of Vanguard. I see. And then you added stuff to it. All that stuff in between is added. I got stop the spot where the, uh, uh, the the research place with the satellite. Where uh, yeah. Sikor pops in, in into the into the laboratory or into the where are those guys? Yeah, kind of yeah, radar that stuff. That was early stuff. That was inked by Bill Anderson and the Jim Sinclair stuff. Where uh, Ethereum slams the core into the wall. It was around that stuff was drawn around 1993, mm. and then all the other stuff's like year 2000. Yeah, like if if it was to be recolored, then we could easily like just go in and at least make the lettering like consistent. Right. You know, that would be cool color. So, it would be. And, and then since since we're talking about Ethereum, I know the turtles came after that that series or around that series, but I just wanted to talk to you about the Ethereum uh, backup that was in Savage Dragon, and mm-hmm. off the top of my head, I think was it. It was like Savage Dragon 145, back in blue. 159. Yeah. With back in blue. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that's pretty recent. And you guys pretty much revisited the Ethereal Warriors one shot and kind of built back on that. Mm-hmm. And how did that, I mean, when, how did you guys decide it was time to revisit Ethereum again? Yeah, I needed a job. <laughs> <laughs> no, Eric was kind enough to, uh, let me showcase my stuff, you know, as far as... Because I was kind of, like, not doing anything for a while. Mm-hmm. And, it, and Erica just gave me a place to showcase my stuff and, you know, do a backup and drag. And then he likes what I do, so... He gave me a chance to do E3 and again. And uh, what we were originally going to do, we were going to do, a, like, a four-issue miniseries of E3. But Eric thought, you know, after... You know, that's about the continuity of the eight, each six-page uh, story. It's kind of like... Okay, 
put that broke off in a weird spot, and then that breaks off in a weird. It's because it was originally drawn as a 24-page comic book. Right. And then we broke it off into six-page increments. You planned it as a 24-page comic, and then you broke it up into six-page chunks. Did you go back and you change it to work in the six-page format, or did it ultimately? We we ultimately yeah we ultimately yeah as we went along actually we did the first 48 pages were were done as two comic books and we were gonna do like this mini series. But Eric uh, reasoned that uh, we probably should do it in the back of Savage Dragon, just so we could get higher visibility. Because either if we were going to print it in its own book, was he, hey, we can print it in its own book, but it has to be in black and white. Right. I was like, eh, yeah. I'd rather have, get more visibility in back of Savage Dragon and have it in color. Rather yeah. do the black and white thing. I don't want to do either in black and white again. So that's why yeah. I want to look back at Savage Dragon. But And, uh, some of the some of the stuff that's like inserts in the in the comic, like in issue one fifty where Ethan is flying towards you. It was gonna uh, be a cover or something. That was gonna be a cover to issue number one. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And then the close up of Ethan's face, uh, I don't know if that was ever printed. I got the reflection of the uh, the Apache helicopters in his lens. And yeah, the, I don't think that was printed anywhere, but it's cool. We yeah, post that. That was a cover. Uh, Chuk standing on top of the cliff or this. Uh, Plateau with the powerhouse behind him, you know, doing his uh, hierogram, uh, hologram screens in front of him. That was a cover. Hmm. We, we need to get this stuff up on the yeah. on the board so people can see it. <laughs> yeah, if you got anything, we'll definitely share it. So I, I had like three or four covers done. Some of them were back covers too. Uh, E3 and with the Apache helicopters approaching him, where he has his, his back towards the reader, kind of a top close-up shot of him standing on top of powerhouse. Right. Uh, that was a back cover, which we used. We inserted as a, as a as a page into the story. So you said you did the first 48 pages planned as two comics. So when you got right. to the at the end of that, you realized you were going to be doing it as a backup. Did you start right. formatting it better for exactly. the six page increments? Right. Yeah, and you know, it, even the way it was, the the six page increments worked out okay. It wasn't that jarring? Yep. But you know, to read it as a whole, I guess is is better. Yeah. But I. The, I I personally enjoy short form story like that, whereas with smaller increments, especially when they're planned, because when you take a, a, a complete story and you just break it up without any regard to where the act breaks are, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, I just find it more satisfying when a story is planned in whatever incremental format it's going to have. Yeah. Um, I'll be um, honest. Yeah. The first time when I was reading when I was reading Savage Dragon Monthly and, and uh, E3 and came in, I didn't immediately find it interesting, and I sort of stopped. Didn't read the whole thing, but a year and I, a half. I, ago, a... Yeah, about a year and a half ago, I was doing a reread of Savage Dragon from 101 to current, and I made sure to read the whole thing, and it was actually really, really good. Oh, and I regret you. missing it the first time. Oh. I remember I had the the first couple the, when the first couple chapters came out I was like, oh yeah I remember this Ethrian guy from the Vanguard thing a while ago but that was like you know I don't know almost ten years in between and and so I had never read that I was like there was so much that I didn't remember and so after the first couple chapters I was like okay I gotta go re- go back and 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 read Ethereal Warriors and when I did then I got kind of a lot more out of it. And, and, yeah, definitely. And, and just because you were saying, like you were saying, you were building on that 
um, that story. Right. I originally wanted to start off the uh, the Ethereum story as a uh, you know before we were gonna put him in the comic books like the 48 pages that said that we did I mean, it was, that was two comic books worth of stuff. Then we decided to use it as a backup. But I was gonna do a prelude of a backup and Savage Dragon leading to the Ethereum stuff, and I was gonna treat the uh, Chook and the, the powerhouse was going to be all dilapidated and not looking like it, kind of unrecognizable. And only the five people who read the comic will know what's going on here. But, <laughs> but uh, I was going to try to treat it like an Atlas comic book, like a, the old Marvel map monster books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then work our way into, wait a minute, what, what? this is an Ethereum story. And then, you know, we kind of started off like that and it didn't quite go the way I was thinking. So, but no miscommunication communication between Gary and I. Ethrian's a, a weird character when you read him. I mean, he comes, he's not as much a superhero as like a sci-fi story and he right. comes off as, he's not even really a hero, but he's not a villain. He's just there to kind of protect the powerhouse source by right. whatever means necessary. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to read. I mean, he's kind of like got that Thor thing going, like the Donald Blake Thor thing where, you know, one guy transforms into him and right. he, he turns into a whole different person. And yeah. he's kind of ruthless about it. And even when 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 you uh, read the the newest serial that you did, you know they take out all sorts of army guys and they turn into you know wraiths that you know protect the powerhouse. But he, he's not really a, a a superhero in any way. And and a lot of times when you see him and, and all the kind of Savage Dragon tie tie-ins, he's kind of portrayed as the villain even in that serial. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think it's kind of a cool, different take on a character. He's not necessarily a, a superhero, you know? Right, right. Anti-hero. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I suppose yeah. He's, he's a god, isn't he, essentially? So he's kind of a yeah, being hero or villain. Right. He's he's like uh, the guardian of powerhouse of a, of, of a world that he no longer belongs to. He was supposed to be on his planet, Ethra. Which is the word Earth, kind of, with the word letters kind of switched around. But uh, and now he's kind of finding himself stuck on this planet Earth in the in the the powerhouse, taking the the core energies of the Earth and channeling them through this through this warrior. And what he's about, why he's here, I don't know. <laughs> Are there so any- we still need to figure that one out. <laughs> Are there going to be any, or have you got any plans to try and like link what's going on now with like the old continuity that came that appeared in Megaton? Because like that left off from basically a cliffhanger. Yeah, the, the referring to the Megaton stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to tell that story again. You know, when I did the E3, I never meant for them to be all these different uh, people hosting the the the, the E3 persona. You know. Uh, Ethereum is supposed to be a guy all by himself. Not all, all he's not like uh, Captain Marvel or a lot of these other yeah. people being being Ethereum, you know. But somehow it turned into this thing to where, you know, these different people host the, the eternal, uh, the, the entity of Ethereum. And, uh, you know, the essence bearer, you know, some kind of certain element in their body referred to as being the essence bearer is the one who can take on the Ethereum persona. Now, if you can make heads and tails about that, then... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Like I said, the evolving thing from when I was a kid, what, what, what I thought of back then, I wish I could go back to that guy when I first created him. But now yeah. he's become this thing that's totally something else, you know. And all these same, like it's like another Green Lantern or, or you know, a Guardian, you know. So. Right. And hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a core. You know, what's an Ethereum? I mean, is, that's a name, but is it the yeah. entity? That's the Ethereum because it's a core. He's an Ethereum too, right? So. Well, it seems to be like a, some possibility of, I mean, because in, in the Ethereum serial, when the other character becomes the Ethereal warrior, he's not as, you know, he's more heroic and he's more noble than Callion was. Right. And, right. and he's yes. not the same kind of character. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see what else you would do with, with that guy now that he's, right. or, 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 you know, or another character too. Right. Because now we saw Galen in the very first Vanguard backup. You know, yeah. Yeah. Walking around with that staff and then, you know, being younger, you know, more true to his actual age than, you know, looking at old like that old man, or you know, maybe it's the this is the staff that's kind of making him younger and healing him and stronger. Because you know, we saw the old man walk away at the end of the, uh, yeah. you know, walk, uh, watches a pirate gorge. Right, new, right. You know, the younger guy in the Vanguard story. I had all kinds of ideas. We have to uh, convince Eric to. To have an issue with uh, Malcolm versus, you know, Ethereum. They need one. <laughs> kind of like how he did with Prism, you know. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah I was going to see Eric's take on Ethereum, but yeah, I don't know. Has, has Eric ever drawn Ethereum? I think like yeah, in the back, back of time. Yeah. He the time. cover as well, didn't he, for Ethereum Warrior? He got yeah, right. inked. Yeah. 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 Color his shoulders wrong, but you know, <laughs> not Ethereum. It looks like he's got like metal plates on his shoulders or something. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah, that was supposed to be skin, huh? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> the texture on there, the way it's kind of rendered, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. like rough metal or something, you know, right? So, do you guys want to talk about some of the Ninja Turtle comics, or do you guys have questions on that? I've not read Volume Three of Turtles yet. I've been trying to track down the issues, but it's been a they uh, all die. Chore. Everybody <laughs> dies. What'd you do, my, What'd you do to Donatello? Yeah, turn it to Cyber Don. You know, we turn it to a cyborg. That's sort of the impression I got in the mid '90s that a lot of people weren't taken with the changes that you made to the Turtles. <laughs> I, I have no opinion because I didn't read it. Um, I, right. I did think it was a little weird, um, although Raph in the uh, Shredder mask. Uh, what was no? Wait, he was wearing the Casey Jones mask, wasn't he? Yeah, that that was awesome. That, that looked good, cool visual. But uh, again, but then I, he does on the uh, Shredder. Does he? Right. Yeah. 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 Later on. He, he you know, virtually becomes Shredder. So. I I thought that twenty three issue series was awesome. I, you guys did more stuff with the turtles than you know. 20 years of continuity of turtles. I thought it was balls to the wall. You know, how are they going to get out of this jam this time? You know, I mean, I guess a lot of people have some kind of vested interest in the turtles or something that they get so offended if they're right. injured or whatever. But well, yeah. I'm a big fan of the turtles. I, I recently picked up the, uh, the IDW uh, hardcover collection of the original stuff and it blew my mind with how good it was. 
very, very mm-hmm. cool stuff. But I had also read the Peter Laird Volume 4 series, and I enjoyed that a lot. Um, yeah. But even in that series, yeah. he did a lot. He changed the Turtles a lot in there, too. I mean, uh, I believe Raphael became a big, giant monster, and Donatello became two inches tall. I mean, that's the, the sort of... I kind of got the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you laugh, but it's... <laughs> they also drove a robot, a giant robot body around. That happened. Which right. isn't too different from it being isn't too different. cyborg. Exactly. <laughs> right. it's, not, it's not a big difference between the cyborg or the or the bat splinter or whatever. Right. I mean, these are comic books. I want to see fantastical things. Yeah, you know, I right. want to see crazy things go on. And I thought you guys did an awesome job with that. I was. Uh, well, when we turned Donatello into that cyborg. Uh, you know, some of these fans act like we were killing their pets or uh, something <laughs> to them. Well, I think there was a sort of mentality in that period where mutilating characters was kind of seen as edgy, and it might have been backlash more to that sort of convention than that right. specific character. But again, but I'm you, kind of looking at it with a hindsight. You can't tell me that, you know... 30 issues, if it lasted down the road, they could have come up with some cure to get rid of, you know, whatever cybernetic oh, yeah. parts. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it would have happened, you know? Yeah. Of course. That's where, <laughs> that's where we were going. We were going to show where this uh, technology came from and what it was about, and then, uh, you know, Donnie would have regenerated and, you know, DNA yeah. would have multiplied and did its thing, and, you know, we would have had maybe this different-looking shell in his body, but... And then when the metal dropped off or you know, left him somehow. He would have been genetically altered. He might have been like a foot taller than the rest of them. But yeah, of course, when you're drawing black and white teenage mutant ninja turtles, it's useful to have ways to distinguish them in some yeah. visual style. Right. Yeah. Which I, you know, I did it by, you know, their posture and attitude and demeanor and uh, I tried like to. Whenever it. you draw, whenever you draw Mike, he always looks like he's, you know, a little bit more affable. Right. Like, yeah. As he should, you know. And, and he was the only one that didn't get messed up, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he he would have good reason to be happier. Yeah. Right. No. Right. But the other thing was just it's it seems like uh, what something that Eric does well and Gary does well and um, is making you afraid for characters. Yeah. And and I kind of it's hard for me to care about characters in comics if I'm never afraid for them. And, you know, when you have characters like the Turtles that get in battles all the time with, you know, these pointy weapons, like, you you would think that on occasion somebody would get cut. And yeah. and not just the foot, foot soldiers or whatever. And uh, so beyond just, you know, m- making them more distinguishable from one another, I thought it was like, you know, the very first issue instantly tells you as a reader, these characters are not necessarily safe. And, right. and and that's a powerful thing to say. And also just with like Donatello, it's like who better to become a cyborg? Like yeah. that he that's Definitely. for his character perfectly. Like yeah. Or even like Raphael. How, how could he become a bigger badass? Well let's Yeah, or more of a loner. Yeah, or let's just make him lead the foot clan, you know. That I thought that was ingenious. It, it's just, you know, it, yeah, I thought it was top notch. Yeah. yeah. How was it um, just drawing the turtles? I mean, at the time, and they still are, like, you know, one of the biggest, you know, comic book properties that were ever created. And you got to do a full 23-issue run. Right. That's the one thing I'm most identified with, is doing the turtles, you know. 
you know, I can say I did an issue with Superman, you know, and I did Steel, and I did Robin, and, you know, the, the Turtles is the one that perks up there. So, oh, you did the Turtles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I drew the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, for Image Comics. And, uh, and then the, just to add another thing about that Donatello thing, a lot of people think we changed Donatello like that because we didn't know how to write for Donatello as regular Donatello. That's what some of the fans were saying. Yeah. Well, they couldn't write for Donnie, so they, they, they marred him and messed him up like that. So They, they did the most logical thing for his character. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I was like, okay. No, I, I love uh, pretty much all of, not, I mean, you know, not every single issue is going to be a gem, but I love most of Mirage's output. And, uh, you know, big fan of most of those creators and those, and those runs. And uh, even with that said, like, your run with Gary are some of, they're some of my favorite turtle comics. So, yeah. I actually own a few of the pages from the issue where Vanguard uh, appears, and I uh, I love them. Oh, it's yeah. cool to look at your line work. Tell you what, I'm very disappointed in IDW's new series. It's just it doesn't have the heart that the turtles really need. It just feels like it's ult- it's basically Ultimate Ninja Turtles, and I don't know. It it just it's decompressed and it's slow and. I don't like a lot of the changes they made, but maybe it's because I'm just kind of set in my ways like some people, but it's just not doing it for me. Yeah. Have you read that, Frank? I have not. I mean, yeah. I got a, the first couple of issues, but I haven't really been following it. Yeah, I have, I have the first five or six, but I've only read the first couple, so I don't I don't really... Uh, I liked what I saw at the beginning, but it was just, you know, I, I haven't read enough really to know what I think yet. But that big hardcover reprint of the original stuff was gorgeous, and I really do hope they do they keep doing them and they get through like even the image run. If that gets a reprint, I will buy as many copies as I can get my hands on. Oh, tell you, Jim, if you can if you can find Volume Three on eBay or whatever, I would look it up. Though it, it's a it's definitely a fun series. Oh, Jim, I got th- I got some of the issues. I mean, I got extra copies of some of the stuff, not not all of it. Oh yeah. So yeah. We'll talk. What, yeah. What's it? Um, was it a a choice to do black and white, uh, or was it like a cost issue, or cost issue? You, was it a cost? It's funny <laughs> really? now because when you, look probably, at, when you look at issue one, how over rendered and detailed that is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Eric's inking, and then and, you know that's the way I drew it too. We we I thought you know we originally thought it was gonna be in color. Uh huh. And then you know it's, we changed our minds, and, you know, cost wise, and you know. Because I kind of prefer turtles in black and white. That feels right yeah. to me. Yeah. It's but funny I, too, I wouldn't mind. You know, we were talking about if it, it saw reprint, the, if it were to be colored, if it were colored like in a Hellboy sort of way, kind of desaturated and not, you know, over rendered color. Yeah. Mostly flat. You know. Yeah, it might be kind of cool. Yeah. It's but funny though. You say you know because of the costs and everything and. Probably, if you looked at how many issues those sold then compared to like what comics sell now. Oh you know? man! <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day, where comics were canceled for for dipping to numbers that anybody would kill for today. Exactly. Yeah. You can definitely you can definitely see the difference though between like yeah the first few issues where it's over rendered it's it's a little tough to to make out some of the action and then as you find your kind of you find how to do it with the black and white and i think with the was it is it andrew pepoy on inks or is that how you say his name that's when it, it kind of like to me it really like f- 
fits into that black and white look. I think it really yeah. gets its kind of. Andrew had like an understated way of inking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it was very suited for the turtles, and you know, I was adapting more to the black and white style. You know, more stark blacks and you know, whites balancing and stuff like that. Yeah, as you guys go on, you really get into a groove there. Yeah. So, you know, now knowing that it was going to be in black and white after doing the first issue, and then you know, trying to pull back on issue two a little bit. But then, you know, yeah. around issue three and four, I found the found my uh, my groove and got a more black and white legible. So, cool. yep, good old turtles. Adam, did you say there was a listener question for the, about? Yeah, the I have a question uh, from the Technodrome forums from uh, Venom, who just wants to know how you kind of developed your version of the turtles. Like, your uh, did you like work through? Uh, you know, did you sketch out like different kind of uh, stylistic versions of the of the turtles before you went with something that you liked, or did you go back and forth with like Eric and Gary? Or no, uh, I basically uh, just just drew them. Uh, kind of evolved from issue to issue. I mean, the, the mouth kind of changed shape a little bit from issue one to to the final version that you see in a couple issues later on. Uh, the eyes were kind of goofy looking at first, you know. I think I must have reduced some pages a few times, but I pretty much drew them the way the way you see them. Yeah. Uh, That's I cool. think a little, little bit influenced by AC Farley, and then uh, yeah, kind of then doing my thing with them, you know. AC made them a little bit more squat and uh, sort of limb looking, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, the you know the, the the double, uh, the, the fingers only had like one knuckle. Oh yeah. You know yeah. they didn't. They, they had the three knuckle uh, or the two knuckle. It's, you know stuff you pay attention like that. The eyes had to be far apart. Yeah. Uh, were Were there any like editorial mandates from like Barrage when you were creating it, or no? no? They, they 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 left us alone. Oh. Just no girl turtle. Yeah. <laughs> and and no human turtle sex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I wouldn't want that. The Pimico <laughs> thing was getting a little, uh, <laughs> a little, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, no girl turtles, and then we do the, you know, Lurch becomes a girl turtle. <laughs> <laughs> that was did, what, did they say something fun. about that? Were they were they pissed off about that or? No, no, no. Uh, uh, I I really didn't uh, deal with the. Mirage or Peter or anything. Uh, I think Gary kind of ran stuff past them, and you know they gave us our, their blessing, and just let us do our thing, you know. And they're all gun ho and happy about the stuff, and then you know find out after the run is done. Oh, that's not canon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hate what they did. And now they're doing the same thing. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think there was more just a case of Peter like not wanting to feel bound by like what you guys did. Right. Like I don't, I mean, because he not only approved of every issue, he and Kevin supplied like plenty of the ideas. Like, I mean, they past what you guys did. Like, I heard the story multiple times where they were saying to Gary while you guys were doing the first issue, "You guys should kill off Splinter, start off with a bang." Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I I think a lot of a lot more has been made out of the supposed decanonization than. 
Yeah, well, Eric, that was Eric's idea to turn Splinter into a bat. So, well, they did eventually kill Splinter. He, he in the in the volume four that happened in like the first year. Yeah. Spoiler alert <laughs> for ten year old comics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <That's> for me. <laughs> okay. They sort of predicted it before then, though. Like, there's a in volume two, they have a, 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 a you know sort of a possible. You know, flash forward kind of. Yeah. One of the things I liked about your turtle run, apart from anything else, is just the sheer amount of guest stars of the Savage Dragon guys. Yeah. So there's like Horridus became like Michelangelo's girlfriend. Right, right. Raph beat the crap out of a bunch of vicious circle guys. <laughs> I mean, I loved that. That was really fun. Yeah, that was fun stuff. You know, Mako's appearance was cool. Yeah. And Mako yeah, is kind Mako of like fun. fits. Mako fits right in with those kind of the turtle rogue characters, you know? He's a mute Definitely. shark. Yeah. 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 Which I really didn't want Gary tipping our tipping his hand yet that that was Mako until we saw it was Mako. Hmm. You in a cage there, Mako. Hey, hold off. Those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have to tip our hand yet. Yeah, it was like, didn't he bite someone's hand off or something? And like, you, yeah, it spits you it out back. It metal. Cyborgs. You make me sick. But <laughs> so yeah. uh, how, do you, how do you and Gary work? I mean, do you kind of do like the kind of Kirby Lee thing? Or is it more like you have a tight script to work off of? Or Well, we talk we talk about it. We, uh, we bounce around ideas. But Gary's got, he gives me a script. And it's like just like one line explanation of what he's looking for and then you know i do the camera angles or determine how to do the picture you know and uh you know i put have my input in there and do my little nuances and my way of storytelling and then uh mm-hmm. we, we talk about before he, he starts scripting this stuff yeah. and then he, he gives me a script so it's so, you know sometimes i'll add a panel or i'll combine panels to try and tell the story right right uh, and then after you're done, he scripts the dialogue, exactly. like he, or he rewrites the you know right. the, the dialogue he, isn't final before before your pages yeah. are done. He gives me dialogue in the script in the, in in the script, but then you know so I know where who's who and what you know how to place who in the panel left to right, and then uh then he'll add more dialogue or tweak his dialogue or do some editing, but uh, yeah. That's how we work together. We've been like like that for years. We did everything. Cool. So I got a lot of say and input. So. Right. Yeah. Cool. But, uh, and then uh, so some of your Savage Dragon backups. Uh, right I think now. my favorite. My favorite is is it from 119, the one where it's Zeke versus uh, Rock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that was some of your best work. I I love that issue. I love that backup. I think it's my favorite Savage Dragon backup. The story is awesome. The the images are great, and it's like it's kind of like a Hulk versus Thing type deal. Yeah, and there's some tribute pieces, homages in there. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I, Titans I, Clash. About that particular backup, I really like how the uh, the coloring, the art, suddenly transitions from like your current clean looking style to like this old fashioned, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, sixties. Yeah. yeah. I thought that that was a really cool effect. Yeah, that was his precursor to a next issue project. Was it? 
Yeah, it's kind of, you know, then you see that kind of stuff in the next issue, so. Yeah, that's right. Making it look like the plates are off and stuff. Right, yeah. off register rate. That's yeah. great. Cool stuff. Yeah, and I I think, like, I, I just like your artwork. It's just suited for those kind of characters. I like how, I like your take on Zeke and Rock, and the story was just, you know, I don't know if it was like six pages or something, but it was like, it was just pretty cool. I might have been you know, story. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. And and Zeke is just like, you know, the late 70s Hulk that I enjoy, you know. <laughs> I wish, you know, Marvel would go back to that type of Hulk, but, you know. Man, I guess you got to yeah. live through it vicariously with Zeke. <laughs> yeah, well, Eric's got a few homage characters like that, so it's good stuff. That yeah, was fun to do. And, and I guess that kind of... Was was Eric so impressed with that that led to the to the Rock House Diner? Was that another thing that was supposed to be like a one shot that was turned into a backup? How did that work out? That's exactly what that was. <laughs> that was supposed to be. That might have been uh, supposed to be two issues. Like yeah, little, it's like forty eight pages, little, right? Yeah, two issue shot story, you know, and then it wound up being back of Savage Dragon just just to get the visibility and you know, so that's how that one came to be, but uh, Eric basically likes what I do, and I appreciate him giving me a place to show showcase my stuff, because I, you know, I have no other avenues, in the, and not that I'm looking for any other avenues, you know? I, yeah. Uh, I don't care for doing anything for Marvel or DC. Uh, that doesn't matter. Right. Uh, I get, I, you know, I could play with Eric, you know, Eric's toys for a while, and mess around, and uh, having a blast with this Vanguard thing, too, so... That's cool. Which will come to an end. Uh, that'll be like a ten, ten issue uh, issue run. So was there three chapters left of that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm working on number eight right now. And you know, so. talking about like the new Vanguard serial, I immensely enjoy your split the the covers that you do, and I know we've talked about in the forums how each one seems to be better than the other. It's a shame that you seem to be doing a lot of this, like, like your ethereals, uh, E3 and Serial, and, like, the Rockhouse Diner, and you don't get to, like, make covers because there's just not, a, you know, you don't really have, besides your Turtles covers, I don't really see much on, you know, any of yeah. your covers. And the Vanguard covers are just outstanding, honestly. Oh, every yeah. every uh, every issue seems to outdo the, the other. That's what you guys say. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it though. You know, uh, uh, I, I kind of like the, like the one with the reeling. Yeah, yeah, the the ship explode, like the right. hole in the ship. Yeah, the hole busted open and and uh, grabbing Cassie there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just you know the staff infection one is cool. It's just a lot of energy coming through. That's issue one seventy two of Dragon. Even one seventy four. I come with all those taglines. I come with all those taglines. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah. That's cool. So, you know, you talk about uh, what do I contribute as far as story-wise. <laughs> I come with taglines. <laughs> Tag, taglines are a bit of a lost art, so I'm glad they're alive and well somewhere. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. I, I, yeah, it was, it's a fun little thing. Though. And, you know, it, at first being a flip book and, you know, people getting confused and, the, you know, the store is shelving it wrong and stuff like that. And, you know. But were they really shelving it wrong or were they tr- shelving it right? I missed, <laughs> I missed the flip book. That might be. 
I, I, I love the fact that the, there was a flip book. The fact when they changed it to not be a flip book, I was very disappointed. But I guess I understand why. Yeah. yeah. No, we I've I fought a little bit to try and keep it as a flip book because I agree, totally agree. But like while I was having we were having this kind of ongoing conversation between all of us, I was like, okay, but what if we make it really obvious that it's Savage Dragon? We put the Savage Dragon logo on the cover and then put the Vanguard logo like under it. And it's like the Savage Dragon logo is so tall. It's going to take up the entire thing to try and do both, even the van- if the Vanguard logo is smaller. And then like that week was when 174 came out. And not only was I seeing it racked wrong at my the barcode. shop, but the barcode was wrong. And it was like bagged and with a board. <laughs> and so you couldn't see that the other side was Dragon. And it was like, oh, oh shit. Let's yeah. <laughs> <Once> just... <laughs> Yeah, I actually when when they were doing Twisted Savage Dragon funnies, I used to I was doing mail order, getting my comics once a month, which was annoying. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were always shipping them with Twisted Funnies face up, always. So I can only imagine that how they were racking them at at the shop. Right. Yeah, yeah, I saw a lot of that. Um, just at uh, various stores for Vanguard and Twisted Funnies. Like, I saw a lot of them. Of course, the barcodes were on the back. Maybe that's why they were doing it. Maybe they saw the barcodes and figured it was the front. Yeah, but the barcode's always on the back. Then what's the yeah. Yeah. confusion about <laughs> uh, I I did like them, though, because, you know, it had the issue number on it and everything. It just right. looked cool, like a real, right. you know, like the real Vanguard cover. number. Vanguard number. 173. Holy shit. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of issues I gotta get back. I gotta hump down. That's right. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, the the, the recent Vanguard serials, they are pretty cool. I mean, are they a challenge to try to fit a whole story? Because it seems like up until recently, most of the stories are kind of like one and done. They still kind of connected, but you had your protagonist. They were taken out. The story was finished. It, it linked to the next one, but it was a complete story, you know. Right. And it, uh, it was, it was. They're pretty ingenious. Like you know, the, the staff infection one against uh, the the Ethrian guy. You can't remember his name. Daily. Right now. Yeah. 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 And then uh, the modem issue, and you know, the the issue against. Uh, was the um, Universo issue, you know, they, they all kind of had a beginning, middle, and end within, was it six pages? Yep. Right, right, yeah. Six, a couple of them are seven, but yeah, it was six. I think one was seven so far. Uh, yeah. But, is it is it tough to kind of, to draw something, like a small six, you know, six or seven pager and, and get uh, everything? You know what, it's, it's like the first uh, backup was like, you know, I count my panels. You know, it was like forty something panels or whatever, mm-hmm. which is a which is a forty something panels in the back in the Vanguard story was like you know within six pages. Eric had like forty something panels within the twelve or thirteen pages. Right. Yeah. You know yeah. It's, it's, it's dense. Kind of, you have a lot to do in six pages. Yeah. So you kind of condense. You know, you you compress this whole thing into a, you know all these. But it, it, it still flowed and didn't really feel like speed bumps or, you know, you know from, from what I could see. And uh, it it still read pretty good to, to me. But uh, as the issues went on, we seemed to open up a little bit more like the uh, the Universal one. You got that two-page spread in there. Yeah, which is awesome. And, thank you. And then, uh, you know, a couple of panels on that page. So that was like, what, maybe 20-something panels 
in a six-page story? Yeah. Was that the one of six pages or seven pages? Oh, I don't. But anyway, I think the one for one seventy-four was the one that's seven pages. Okay, right. The home. Yeah. The home one, right? Uh. But yeah, you know, it was not really because Gary writes a pretty complete, you know, little, little six-page script, and you know, we're we're able to work with the with what he gives me, so right. uh, it, it reads good and. It's reading pretty good to you, isn't it, Adam? As far as you know, you're lettering it and stuff like that, and so I have no idea what's going on. Okay. <laughs> no, it's uh, he just um, puts the words in there. The the um the page the, that, the the what was it page two or whatever that Dave finished the other day, and it was like there's so many guys on this one page. I it takes a good draftsman to pull off that storytelling when you have like 50 because you got the you know, you guys know at the end of the last chapter, the Tyrus Combine is like there on the ship, and uh, it's like, oh, there's a whole bunch of guys. We, so in a big fight scene, this isn't really spoiling anything because everybody knows it's going to happen. But it, it, it's there's you know seven or eight panels on the page, and each panel has like twelve guys in it. It's like, oh my gosh, Frank, you somehow made it like readable. <laughs> well, thanks. Mm. So if you make kind of things, you know, and and for those listening that don't know, Adam does the letters for the Vanguard serial. Yes, with the coloring and does the lettering. Yes. Um, do you make Adam write in the Rockhouse Diner menu to punish him, or do you do that? No, he did that. <laughs> <laughs> the, you you said something about that in an email like last year or whenever we were starting, and you were like, "Are you going to do that?" And I was like, "Uh huh." <laughs> hey Jim, do we have a listener question from the yes. boards about what? What was that question? The question is uh, Frank. Uh, Jason Gibson asks, uh, "What's your favorite character in the Savage Dragon universe uh, that isn't Vanguard or Dragon or Ethrian?" Huh. <laughs> uh, as far as creators in, in the, as opposed to the fan that likes certain characters in the set. Uh, I don't know how how would I can't think of a favorite Savage Dragon character besides Dragon. Uh, yeah. What about uh, Rock? He, he seems to feature in a lot of your stories. Yeah, I, I like Rock. Uh, but you know, like Rock Rory. is kind of like drawing a, a a squished head version of a turtle. <laughs> 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 like he's like in a pencil sharpener, and hey, we got Rock. <laughs> is there is there a guy that you ha- haven't drawn that you? like to take a crack at of uh, Eric's characters yeah or any character I guess I would love to do the Fantastic Four yeah well, you, you got a little taste of it right uh, when you did the world's greatest yeah. comic magazine yeah. You know. yeah that was that was fun for what it was but I like to do my own own thing with them and uh, it kind of like a throwback to the Kirby Lee you know yeah that, that kind of thing I would like to do and not so much the ultimate or whatever they're doing nowadays or just super realistic photo artistic stuff that's going on now. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, crap. I find that stuff. So cool. If I want to see something <laughs> photo realistic, I go see a movie. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. But totally. But you know, there's there's a place for it too, though. You know, I'm not gonna totally slam it. I mean, there's a place for it, but uh, I'll slander it for you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was just kidding. <laughs> you know, I, I like more of the the the. Uh, Impressionistic type styles that people come up with, you know, mm-hmm. 
the cartoonier styles. I mean, there's a reason why it's called cartooning. It's shorthand drawing, you know? Yeah, right. And Who uh, are some of your, like, favorite artists that are working now? Guys, I'll be honest with you. I don't really follow comics anymore. Oh, right, yeah. I, I don't buy comic books. I don't, I don't, I just kind of do my thing. I, I work, I do stuff with Eric. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll buy the old Marvel Masterworks. Right, right. Sure, yeah. Uh Kind of do my own thing. Uh, I really, I can't think of a new comic. I, I guess I bought the turtle stuff, and then I bought that one Olmec book. Let's see what the, the one that just came out. The or? one that just got canceled. Yeah, the first issue. Yeah, the first <laughs> issue I bought. That's not bad. It had a real Kirby vibe to it. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Keith Giffen. Keith Giffen is the man. Yeah. Yeah. If you say so. I haven't read Olmec. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's good. It's kind of a quirky type take on Kirby, you know? Yeah. But at least it's, you know, kind of going back to that and it's not yeah, someone. It, it, it's pretty cool for what it. Yeah. You don't see enough of that, you know. Days, but, you know, think. as far as uh, wanting to do other characters, like I said, the Fantastic Four, maybe like a four, the Kirby type characters. But then, you know, it's like I'm got this avenue of doing stuff, you know, through Eric's book or, you know, now we're doing this this graphic novel, Solaria. And, you know, I got these avenues where I can showcase my stuff and, you know, do something new instead of, you know, do we need another Spider-Man story? Do we need another Fantastic right. story? Do we need another Thor story? You know? Yeah. And so been can, you, done. can you talk a little more about this new project and give us some, I, I mean, we've seen kind of, I think just the advertisement in Savage Dragon. Was it, was there an ad yeah. in that or did I just see it yep. on the boards on form? Yeah, I know it's, it's in the latest issue. Yeah, it's in the inside back cover of the latest issue too. So give us the scoop. It's uh, Solaria graphic. Uh, Solaria eighty thousand A.D. Eight hundred centuries from now. Just <laughs> <laughs> throwing out there. <laughs> eighty thousand. That's a good number. <laughs> but uh, it's a, a sci-fi, you know. Pirates of the Caribbean, Star Wars type thing, you know. Uh, and uh, probably see printing about 2014. <laughs> <laughs> We're going. <laughs> no, just kidding. But uh, that'll be the thing I'll, I'll be focusing on working on when I get done with the, the Vanguard stuff and trying to get that. Now, are you just doing the art or you have a hand in writing it? or? Uh, Andrew Modine is the writer, mm-hmm. uh, the guy big turtle fan and we kind of hooked up through you know because of the turtles and stuff like that and he wanted to do this uh graphic novel and we shopped it around we got our candidate interested in it and uh adam and uh david are involved in it so letter room colorists and stuff like that and uh nice how many pages are we as you notice, Adam does all the heavy work because he's got that forklift over there. So <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be 150 pages, right? Frank? Yes, 150 page graphic novel. Uh, it was gonna be 132, but we stretched it out to give it some room to breathe. Mm. So tell you what, I like two things: science fiction and original graphic novels. So, bam, two together. Hey right, Jim, I, I, I'll send you. I'll send you. You and Craig and Gavin. Gavin, have you seen this? Did I show you, show you this? I've seen it a little bit, yeah. A little while I sent you some pages, it's right? Preview yeah. pages, yeah. Right. I'll give you guys a preview. Cool, yeah. Let's have a gander at it, you know. 
Yeah, I uh, mean, and we have our little uh, the dragonfan.net website too. If you want to, whatever you want to do with promoting it, we'll be happy to post some stuff to promote it too if you want. Sure, Andrew and I, Andrew, appreciate that too. Uh, okay. As far as Arcania, they they might have something to say about that because they might. Yeah. Wanna, you know, yeah, I mean, I won't do anything without anyone saying it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just for, you know, private viewing of it. Cool. No big deal. So, but, uh, no, but I'm sure we'll be doing uh, promo stuff, like, throughout the year, like, as, you know, like, official promo stuff, as just as things progress, uh, you know, maybe maybe some more ads in, in places. And, um, you know, the guy who's the editor uh well, you've been in touch with him more than I have, Frank, actually, but um, Mark Poulton, uh, who's also writing Evangelin at Image, you know, and and, uh, and Gavin, you've been talking to him a lot, too. So yeah. um, I'm sure we'll, you know, be, uh, he's a really cool guy, and I'm sure we'll um, be talking to him about it a little bit and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, so. Yeah. Cool. So that's one project, and the other one's in the fire, too, so. Is there is, is this something you could talk about, or is it a hush hush? Oh, uh, what the other projects? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some we're, we're still shopping around. I think I gotta not say anything right now about about okay. one. There's a little. Yeah. Just think <laughs> of alien. Just think of alien cavemen. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> and Ooh. that's about all I can say. Okay. So I think that about wraps up our interview with Frank. Um, he's going to um, be back to join us for our review of the uh, Vanguard chapter in the latest issue. But um, for this next segment, we're just going to proceed forward with four of us doing our review of Savage Dragon 178. So we open up. Uh, we got Malcolm uh, fighting. Uh, was he named? Headcase. Headcase. Yeah. He's got two heads, four arms, and now no nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, Eric Larson is in rare form with his uh, crazy character designs on Headcase. He's, he's into like multiple heads, multiple appendage phase the past couple of years. It seems yeah, like. that's right. What happened? <laughs> was it? What was? What was their name? Double page. Double page. Double page. <laughs> that's such a good name. <laughs> so uh, Malcolm beats the crap out of this villain within two pages, and uh, his girlfriend Tiara kind of catches him in the act doing it, and uh, she's got some bad news for him. Kind of weird how she just kind of walks up all casual after he just knocked over like part <laughs> of the city, fighting uh-huh. this guy in the street. Yeah, but you don't know what the situation was. Maybe he was walking with her, and he saw, you know. Yeah. Saw the crime in progress, and Jumped who knows in. what happened. Yeah, I do like how Eric has it snowing in the background, and kind of gives you a feel for the change of the seasons in the book. I like the coloring, the kind of the blue tones. Yeah, yeah. the texture in the back, the the color texture for the snow is beautiful. Right. And isn't that the, the splash page that you know going a, a page or two ahead is Tierra walking away? That's Reference from another issue, right? Yeah. Yeah, with Marcy. Yeah. What issue was that? You know? 65. Oh, all right. That's why we have Gavin. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Wait, 
it was also kind of a throwback to um, Megaton as well, I think. Well, graphic fantasy, maybe. That's where it was originally done. Yeah, oh. except except in that scene... She accepted him. Exactly, instead of... Yeah. Instead of being, yeah. And we see the little wise guys on the, you know, coming up, and yep. they're kind of working on establishing that uh, Pee-wee, uh, I mean, PJ is might be uh might not age like the rest of the little wise guys because he had that he's a blood brother and they split a hot dog how do you split a hot dog without a knife yeah pinch it in half messily or so it looks like it's like got everything on it too so yeah that's a bit messy it could be just one of those one of those weird chicago style hot dogs where they put like salad in it and all that crap (laughs) (laughs) what is that a thing you never seen a, a Chicago-style hot dog? No. Uh, it doesn't look uh-huh. too good to me. It's got, like, lettuce, tomato, and, like, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, Adam? Yeah. Well, I'm kind of looking at weird. this hot dog. It looks like it's got <laughs> lettuce peeking out of it, so you could be right. Yeah, just, you know, when you get off this Google, like, Chicago hot dog, it's, I don't know. They just do bad things to hot dogs. <laughs> They also make reference here to building the Rock House Diner, which we were talking about with Frank. So it's being made yet again. Oh, and that they're like sitting there watching it being built, yeah. right? Yeah. That's so I guess cool. there'll be a new version of that at some point. What, did it get knocked down again? Because we, so, we yeah. saw it in the Vanguard backup first issue. 174, it got trashed again. Did it? When the absorbinoids came. Oh, that's right. That was, just, that was just Eric because he didn't want to draw that thing again. Yeah. <laughs> <My bad. laughs> He's like, all right, next, draw the menus. The next time we see the Rock House Diner, it's going to be shaped like a box. <laughs> <laughs> no windows. Yeah. <laughs> How many times has that thing been trashed, though, really? At least twice. Maybe three times. Oh, it feels like more than that. But yeah. On the next page, we get... Uh, Dragon and uh, Malcolm and Angel are at home uh, having dinner with uh, Frank Jr. and his mom. And uh, what I, I, I get here's another here's another superhero name drop moment where Malcolm's talking about Gwen Stacy and Elektra and how being a being a superhero's girlfriend is a bad idea because you get thrown off bridges and rammed through your midsection, stuffed, stuffed in refrigerators. <laughs> yeah. Bad for your health. Bad, bad, bad for your health. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, uh, Dragon has another uh, run-in with, uh, with uh, what's his name, Spoons? Weatherspoon, yeah, Spoon. A- Adrian Weatherspoon. Adrian Weatherspoon. Apparently he hasn't learned much from his last experience. He's still trying to get under Malcolm's skin with his breakup. Malcolm tries to play it cool, but you know he's a... Uh, Dying on the inside. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really feel like he is, honestly. Though. Really? <clears throat> he really doesn't like. He's just more annoyed by Spoon than than anything. Well, he's just taken after his dad, really, isn't he? In that Dragon used to just ignore Neesman or Niceman or how he said Howard, basically. Yeah. yeah. Just used to shrug it off, and that's kind of what Malcolm's doing. Yeah, he doesn't have he doesn't have a lot of patience for this kind of stuff. 
like his dad. And then you get the next, and then you get kind of uh, Maxine, the Asian girl, kind of that like classic kind of nerdy girl hitting on the nerdyish kind of guy, but he's not really a nerd, I guess. But you know, circumstances change, and now the hot girls like him, so he yeah. kind of this is the nerd girl. And now he's clueless. Yeah, <laughs> he kind of walks away with like three arms around on his, you know, three three girls on his arms. Basically, Malcolm is not seeing what's right in front of him. He's kind of getting distracted by uh, kind of like with Anne Stevens and his dad. Yeah, dragon. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of Anne Stevens, Spe- yeah. Speaking of Anne Stevens, we see her and her uh, husband, uh, Larry Bradford. Yes. I find this scene interesting because Larry is uh, starting to sound like he's obsessing about the uh, little wise guys' uh, immort- immortal blood thing. You know, you, you think about you know people in real life, if something like that suddenly falls in front of you, you, you might start to think certain thoughts. And I think that's kind of an interesting uh, direction that Larry could be taken in. Well, you've yeah. seen the last few appearances of his, his hair's got greyer. Right. So he's obviously busy aging, so he's, I guess he's starting to worry about it a bit. Right. And then, here you go, here's a potential gift of immortality. Then we get another nice, quiet, personal scene between Frank Jr. and Angel, and they're talking about their future, and Frank uh, wants to, apparently he wants to go on a European, uh, uh, not vacation, but um, sightseeing trip before he heads off to college, and trying to convince Angel to go with him. And uh, that could lead to some interesting things if that actually happens, having Angel go off to Europe. On this page, you see, like, the the Tyranian ship in the background. But in that third panel, you see kind of like, is it a homeless person? Or is that that a dead person that's kind of foreboding what's to come? Like, you know, did a Tyranian get through there first? I think it's just a generic Chicago homeless person in the snow. Or it's a bag of trash. I mean, could be anything. Yeah, I think it's just a homeless guy at the moment. I don't think they've started their attacks or anything. Yeah, I think that's what the ship in the in the sky means, is that they're here. Yeah, they're coming. And now they arrive with a bang. They're uh, Angel and Malcolm are at school in the... In the Tyranium comes crashing through the ceiling in a big splash page. Starts beating. The- Which is really cool. It is really cool. I, I love those Tyraniums. Yeah, they are. I think they're brilliant. Do you think that they're kind of landing all over Chicago now, or do you think that that one specifically kind of zeroed in on Malcolm? In like I think it's just everywhere now. Yeah. I think it's worldwide. I think that's kind of the impression it's supposed to be giving. And uh, Although, why this one particular one happens to land on their school, you got to wonder if there's <laughs> something behind that or if it just... Uh, I think there's just that many of them. They're attacking everywhere. They're attacking everywhere. Yeah. And we get a very, very gratuitous panty shot. <laughs> <laughs> and Malcolm gets the shit kicked <laughs> out of him for a little while. I, I do love when Eric draws, like, a character getting, like, knocked back, and you just see him, like, sliding on his back with his, like, feet yep. up in there. Yep. On that 
the top of one of those pages. I, I don't know which page it is, Next but you see kind of Malcolm sliding. It just it's a neat looking kind of image. It just gives you that, you know, uh, he just got the crap smacked out of yeah. him. <laughs> and then uh Spoons is there, uh heckling him. Talking trash to the Tyranian. Just gets ripped in half, yeah, it, and I did not see that coming. Uh, no. I thought it was going to be around for a while. Yeah, I'm a little disappointed in a way. Like, I thought it was cool, but I thought, you know, I like to see kind of Malcolm's cast growing, and I like to see... I'd, I'd like to see more protagonists and stuff like that, and I thought that, you know, there was a lot of avenues Spoon could go down. And it kind of it seems like there was a lot invested in his character. Even though he's kind of like a one-and-done type character, I thought, you know, Eric could have built on that because even, like, characters like Johnny Redbeard was kind of like a joke character that became, a you know, a big kind of villain. So I thought Eric could have done that with Spoon in, in it, you know. It just almost seemed like kind of a waste. It it did prove a point and was kind of like a shocker and was cool, but you know I would like to see some of Malcolm's, you know, some of the the, the characters new from the Malcolm era grow. I do think it kind of reinforces yeah. the the idea that people close to Malcolm can get seriously hurt. Mm. Which, yeah. Yeah, maybe Tierra was right in backing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good point. And also. Craig, just going off of what you were saying, like I, uh, I liked what what was you know the kind of developing with Adrian, and I uh, was interested to see where it was going to go. But at the same time, that having that development in there is what makes his death surprising, because yeah. he thought that he was going to you know that something else was going to happen with his character and you were like, Oh, I wonder like how this is going to turn out. Are they going to come? Is he going to come to blows with Malcolm again? Like, you know, is he going to be stupid, stupid enough to try that again? Or is, or is this all just like bravado villain or something? Right. Right. And to get powers and then come back or whatever. And we've talked before about how like probably one of the best strengths Eric has as a writer is his just misdirection. And yeah, leading you down one path, and then you turn the page, and oh, I guess Spoon is done. You know, oh, yeah. like <laughs> it does mean a lot more than just some like random teacher getting severed in half or something like that. Yeah. I agree with you there. But I would like to see Malcolm's cast kind of grow too. Absolutely, absolutely. And it looks like uh, Malcolm gets injured pretty badly in this fight. I don't know how bad, but it looks like a big chunk of his. Stomach is kind of. Yeah, we were talking last episode that we wonder how much damage uh, Malcolm can take and how he doesn't seem to get bloodied up as often as his dad did. Here's a here's a good shot of him getting punched in the face and part of his torso cut open, bl- mm-hmm. blood spurting everywhere. They throw down Angel and him. They tag team. Well, yeah, and uh, they finally choke him out and take him down and break his neck and. It took most of an issue just to beat one of them, and now the sky's full of them. Right, right. Well, and these things seem like they're pretty powerful beasts. I mean, it took Malcolm and Angel together to, like, barely defeat them. And yeah. even just looking at that panel, like, the way it jumps, it, like, jumps, like, 50 feet up into the air or whatever. So they have some kind of, like, crazy kind of strength. Yeah, and I think the thing is, like, 
if it was this hard for Malcolm and Angel together, as powerful as they are, to stop one of them, and like, you know, look, Malcolm is not in exactly in one piece after it's done, and, uh, you know, to have... And it's, it's just begun. <laughs> it's just begun, and, and, you know, to have thousands more potentially show up uh, is like, how are we possibly going to face these guys? Um, and I mean, uh, it's not just Malcolm and Angel in the last pa- uh, panel of the last page. You can see uh, John Day is plenty scared, too. <laughs> <laughs> it did, did Eric mention, or am I just imagining this, did he mention on the Image Comics forums that there were going to be, like, other characters from other series in this arc, like yeah, did. aliens. He did, right? Yeah, I what, think someone what, compared it to the um, Invincible War, where they all turned up, and he said there'd be some of that. Yeah, just kind of like maybe a montage or something yeah. going. Yeah, yeah. It almost has to be if if you're gonna say there's a big invasion, because otherwise you'd be like, well, where the hell was all the other heroes? Yeah, where was Invincible? I'm just hoping for basically one panel of. Um, Kill Cat and the Kid Avenger dicking around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that's got to come around. <laughs> of like, you know, there's somebody in danger and they're like, what do we do? Or something, you know. Definitely, definitely. So that wraps that up and we know this ties in with the Vanguard serial. Um, they're kind of going in real time back and forth, so... So we've got the newest installment of the Vanguard backup that, of course, um, Mr. Frank Fosco has lovingly rendered. You sure? Are you sure? I lovingly did it. No, <laughs> that's not love. Or begrudgingly did I do it? No, <laughs> I did it with love, tender, loving care. Yes. Okay. Of course, now that the big invasion is heating up, our gang on, on Vanguard satellite are trying to trying to stop the invasion. Well, I think they're just trying to survive the opening moments of the invasion at this point. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> trying to survive the opening salvo. So it, it opens with, uh, we see Vanguard in the grips of Tyranian warrior who's uh, claiming to have captured his ship and to uh, keep the spoils for himself. And we quickly find out that it's a ruse and it's our favorite morphling, Lurch, putting on a show. Vanguard sure seems to like putting on uh, deceptions with uh, with the Morphlings. Yeah. Seems easy enough to do. <laughs> Lurch hey. is always lurking. So, a question for you, Frank. About while while we're looking at this Tyranian guy, did uh, I think like in Ethereal Warriors or whatever, some of the older Vanguard when they talk about the Tyrus Combine, it's like different types of aliens, and we've kind of discussed this on the podcast before. Is that still the case, or is Gary or Eric kind of shifted to make this just like the, the, the Combine, just like one type of race, like that warrior guy you see? I think this is like the forerunners of the of the main uh, of the main assault. The Tyranians are like the uh, the scouts and the ones who go before, ahead okay. of, the, uh, the, of the other attacking, more advanced aliens. These guys uh, are more like the grunt work, like the Marines, the, the uh, you know, first fodder. wave, kind of like the first wave. Right. Gotcha. What was that, Gavin? Cannon fodder, basically. Yeah. <laughs> more like the shock troops, I assume. Yeah. 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 
Uh, the terrain is speaking of uh, how the heck you pronounce this guy's name. Yeah, who knows? Que- Warlord Kichanks. Ask Gary. Mash a keyboard. That's <laughs> <laughs> how you make alien names. Just bash your face on it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like I said, the, so yeah, what we were thinking about from the old, you're talking about from the Megaton days, right? Yeah, maybe that was like, it too, yeah. Yeah. Where it was all different aliens making this Tyrus combine. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I didn't know if that was just. Yeah. Oh, all right. I didn't know if that was thrown out the window. And... Well, you, you know, you know it's the way Eric did the. Uh, even this very same issue here, the his version of the Tyranian, and the way uh, uh, Nico's colors and stuff like that, kind of different from what I do. So. Yeah, just like the. Feet are they supposed or... to be the same guys, or these, or? Cousins of the same species or something. Maybe, maybe we were talking about this a little bit with Gary and maybe it could be that the, you know, there's a subspecies that's a different rank or something. And and these guys are attacking Vanguard and then they have the more, uh, you know, hardcore, maybe more brutal aliens are the ones landing on earth. Um, But they're both Tyranians. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Something like that. That's what. That's our story. We're sticking with it. <laughs> and uh, then it moves on, and uh, the, uh, the, the 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 robot tech guy wakes up and starts taking control of the satellite again. And Wally is uh, apparently susceptible to mind control a lot. It seems to happen to him quite a bit. He's always getting controlled by modem or alien technology. Him and Super Patriot, man. Yeah, super patriot. It's a a problem that they have. But then Modem shows up, and I got to be honest, when did she get her powers back? Because last time I checked, they were stripped out of her. Hey, got to read between the pages. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they kind of mentioned it. uh, You want your powers back? Help us take out these guys. Then Wally said, oh, never mind when that uh, robot head went bouncing by. Yeah, right. Uh, well, that, obviously, Wally uh, hooked her up, so. Yeah. I do kind of like the fact that she's back. I, I kind of missed her after the whole four issues she was depowered. She plays a bigger role, so. Yeah. So uh, they try to interrogate the uh, the, the uh, cyborg. Is he a robot or a cyborg, or what is he? The robot. He's a robot. Drone. Yeah, I say he's kind of like a mix between uh, Wally's, Wally's tech which... and the Morphling's tech. Yeah. Which is kind of based on uh, what Nico's drew in that Vanguard back up in the 150. Is that are your are the Tyranians kind of based on that drawing too, or did you guys? Yeah, kind of work it's it's, it's kind of based on that, but we kind of evolved it and you know not evolved it, but did our own thing with it. Right, so, right, right. You know, that's uh, that was kind of going by what Eric did on the on this cover too to 178, kind of yep. based on that and on the. Nikos's version, which gotcha. I think that's what Eric was basing on Nikos, and then kind of did his thing too. Right. I find it interesting that uh, he the uh, the robot starts talking. Well, I guess Modem uh, sifts through his memories, but apparently uh, the reason why everything's been going wrong for Vanguard's people is that their technology's been turning against them because they've been treating them poorly, and uh, I find that interesting. 
Yeah, so that's the downfall of his race, and that's what's opened it up for the Tyranians to take control of the planet and right. wipe out the Clifton's. Machines like Wally and uh, Lurch apparently yeah, betrayed them, and uh, yeah, opened up the opened them up to attack. I always find I find that kind of stuff interesting, where robots and their rights come in. That's why I'm a big science fiction fan. I find those sorts mm-hmm. of little things to be fascinating when they're explored. Yeah, especially since with Lurch specifically, this has always been a like an evolving story with with just kind of the subplot of Roxanne always talking to Vanguard about you know Lurch becoming more of an individual and how wrong it is to keep treating him as slave labor right. when he's like becomes his own person, and then finally that's happened with Lurch, but we're seeing that like the other Morphlings and robot drones, obviously back on Calyptus, like the there have implications that you know there was so obviously something huge went down with them so mm-hmm. and then we get to the the combine guys on the ship and it's like oh crap what do we do now yep yep we'll have to wait to the next episode that's what we'll do that's what we're doing space invaders were you, were you like waiting the entire uh, series to use that name, Space Invaders? No. <laughs> <laughs> Who came up with that? That's Gary. That's Gary's title. That's Gary's. Well, the, the Gary's title. But who came up with that Space Invaders font? Um, I had a different one, and then I I got this font. Like I, Comicraft had a sale. Oh. And I bought this specifically for this, just the, for that title, because it was better than the one that I had. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I, Frank, you, you inked yourself on this one? I inked myself since uh, the second installment. Okay, the first one was Eric, right? Yes. Thank you. Cool. Well, uh, thanks there for uh, going through it with us. Okay. Thank you. Guys, thanks for having me. And uh, This was fun. Thanks for entertaining us and entertaining our questions. Thanks for indulging us. <laughs> Thanks for indulging me. <laughs> Definitely appreciate you taking time out to uh, just to talk with us. It, it's fun talking with you on the forum, but it's a lot more fun to talk with you in person. Yeah, okay. for sure. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, this was fun. And uh, don't know why I'll be doing this again as far as, you know, after this 10 issue issues wrap up. uh Oh, we're going to have to be talking to you about the other stuff, like the, the Solaria and the uh, caveman thing that you mentioned. Alien caveman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sir, keep keep us in the loop on the forums and whatever when you have new stuff coming through the pipeline. Cause, uh, okay. And like I said, uh, I'll have Adam uh, get you guys emails to me, and I'll give you a preview of the Solaria stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Kind of give you a gander at that and – See what you think. Cool. Look forward cool. to it. All right, guys. Yep. Thank cool. you. Thanks a lot, right, Frank. Man. Nice Thanks a lot. With you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. So for future episodes, um, we're probably going to do more. Um, we're going to try to do more interviews. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking to Frank, and we're going to be talking to Joe Keating um, pretty soon here. Maybe not the next episode, but the one after that. Uh, as soon as we have a concrete date. We will post it on the boards and on Dragon Fan and and on the FinCast website, which is 
fincast.guttertrash.net. Um, but I'm sure we'll be talking to Joe about his new Glory series and, and the other books that he's got coming out. And, you know, he worked on, he, uh, he did Color Flats for Dragon for a time. And I know he has a lot to say about Eric and, and, Eric and his work. And so that'll be fun. And uh, for some, just to drop some more names, um, future episodes, we'll probably also be talking to Michelle Fife of Twisted Dragon Funnies fame and, and Zegas. And uh, also the guy behind vanguard gary carlson uh who's written uh you know huge piles of comics that we've all read so that'll be fun i don't know again we don't have concrete dates for these guests yet but um they're confirmed and 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 uh they should be really fun interviews so yeah i'm really looking forward to it especially the 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 joe keating uh interview because i've uh he's just kind of really started getting stuff out there but I'm really interested in that glory. I liked his pop gun kind of collections and I know he's a huge dragon fan and just a huge fan of comics in general. So I'm, I'm sure he'll have a lot to say. Yep. Well, I look forward to talking with these people too. It's good to have, good to have people on the show talking about this sort of stuff. I mean, that's the main reason why we got this going together is that we just to talk, have interviews. Yeah. Definitely. And it's just fun being able to discuss Savage Dragon stuff with other Dragon fans. Getting to talk to Gavin from the other side of the pond and, you know, Adam on the West Coast and Frank in Chicago and, you know. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It is. Just getting together from different parts of the world, you know, the country. It's good stuff.